Indele in Parliament of India. Chapter 7. My baby steps as an MP. The new kid around the Parliament block. Indele in Parliament. My baby steps as an MP. The new kid around the Parliament block. While I was in the midst of completing the task of the survey of minorities in Karnataka, the biennial election to the Rajya Sabha was announced. The State Chief Minister, Mr. Virappa Moeyli, was of the opinion that uh, this time a Muslim candidate should be provided an opportunity to be the member of the Rajya Sabha. He told me that he was recommending my name for the Rajya Sabha. when he informed me about his intention i told him that i had taken up the task of uh, the karnataka state minorities commission as a mission completing the socio economic survey was my first priority and i was even prepared to sacrifice a rajya sabha seat mr moeli convinced me that this would not affect my work and that he would find out ways for me to continue the task he took up the matter to the high command and spoke to the then prime minister mr pv narsimha rao suggesting my name for the rajya sabha Moeli informed me that Narsimha Rao had agreed about suggesting my candidature for the Rajya Sabha. Mr. Virappa Moeli heartily congratulated me. But within hours my name was replaced with the name of Mr. CM Ibrahim. When Mr. Moeli came to know that my name was replaced with the name of CM Ibrahim, he was surprised and wrote to the Prime Minister that uh, CM Ibrahim's candidature would not be suitable for the Rajya Sabha as the Congress was short of 8 votes. The Prime Minister deputed Mr. Mupanar, the High Command's General Secretary to Bangalore and study the situation. He consulted the Chief Minister and other leaders, finalized my name for the Rajya Sabha and then after Prime Minister cleared my name, I filed my nomination papers for the Rajya Sabha. Here again as it was the case during my membership of the legislative council i never asked the chief minister to make me a member of the parliament this was again a divine intervention in fact i was uh, a little reluctant to become a member of parliament as i thought it would affect my work as chairman of the karnataka state minorities corporation but destiny had charted out my path as a member of parliament i have witnessed how people scramble struggle and lobby to become a member of assembly council or parliament spending a great deal of money and pulling strings of influential people and yet they do not succeed but in my case god was kind to me and made me a member of parliament even though i did not ask for this prestigious post and was not too keen to have mp level beside my name for me being an mp was like uh, entering beyond a new horizon earlier i was only confined to activities in karnataka being a member of the parliament of the world's largest democracy was a great honor for me i took some time to understand the complex issues of a country including its diversity conflicts of interest economic challenges and various social issues it gave me an opportunity to meet political and religious leaders from different parts of india as someone interested in socio economic and educational issues my understanding widened as an mp It took me a few months to adjust to my new responsibilities and study the functioning of the parliament. Thankfully, my experience as a legislator and presiding officer of the upper house in Karnataka helped me to get into the groove of the parliamentary system. Even before becoming an MP, I was very close to Mr. C K Jafar Sharif, MP and also Minister for Railways. I assisted him in his initiatives to build a good rapport with the community. He became an MP in 1971, and since then. we were closely associated 
although mr sharif was uh, not associated with any of the organizations we had established under the banner of the alamin movement he took credit at the national level for the success of uh, the alamin movement in karnataka ck jafar sharif was of the impression that uh, the success of the movement in the state was due to his support although not highly educated mr sharif's vast experience in political life helped me call out a space among the top muslim politicians in the country his historic decision as railway minister of india to convert the meter gauge railways into broad gauge in the country was a great contribution which will go down in the history of the indian railways i was a new member of the rajya sabha and had not even completed one year when an interesting incident took place in the house mr jafar sharif while answering a question in the rajya sabha stated that there was no shortage of vagans in the country the opposition demanded that the matter be referred to a select committee of rajya sabha as they disputed the statement of the minister when the select committee was uh, constituted my name was also included at the instance of uh, mr sharif himself usually the chairman of the select committee is from a ruling party and a senior member but mr jafar sharif prevailed that i may be nominated as the chairman of the committee the then chairman of the rajya sabha mr k r narayanan accepted his request and appointed me as the chairman of the railway wagon select committee i was really worried as a new member with limited experience in the rajya sabha while other members of the community were seniors but my experience as a chartered accountant helped me a lot to function in the committee the committee study revealed that there was a shortage of vagans in india and mr sharif as a railway minister had made a wrong statement in the rajya sabha based on information provided to him by the railway board i had to argue in the committee that the statement the minister made or the information he shared in the floor of the house was based on the information provided by the railway board in this case also mr sharif's statement in the rajya sabha that there was no wagon shortage on the basis of the information given to him by the railway board and he may not be held responsible for making a wrong statement and in fact it was the railway board which had given him wrong information i'm happy that the committee agreed that the minister had made a wrong statement based on information given to him by the railway board mr jafar sharif was relieved of great embarrassment for being held for breach of privilege CK Jafar Sharif's stint in later years as the railway minister of India was full of controversies. He underwent a bypass surgery in the UK and he took with him a contingent of assistants which became a great controversy. Later he had to face the CBI inquiry also. He fell out of the good books of uh, Prime Minister PV Narasimha Rao when he returned after his bypass surgery in 1995. His portfolio as railway minister was dropped and he remained a minister without a portfolio. later he resigned in 1996 elections were fast approaching and it was uh, looking clear that mr jafar sharif might be denied a ticket for the lok sabha although he was winning the bangalore north constituency continuously i was hinted by a senior officer of the ib that the party wanted me to contest in place of uh, mr jafar sharif i refused as i didn't want to hurt mr sharif by contesting in his place 
in my earlier days of political life he had helped me so much and it was against my conscience to contest in a place of a veteran like him but as things transpired pv narsimha rao denied him a ticket in the 1996 election to contest for the lok sabha although honestly i refused to contest in place of mr sharif rumors spread as he thought that i was responsible for his not getting the ticket as a well-wisher i went to his house to express my solidarity with him but unfortunately in front of him his family members blame me for his not getting a ticket mr sharif knew very well that i would not indulge in such a heinous thing but yet he kept quiet when his family members were blaming me i was hurt by this action and from that time onwards i decided to distance myself from him this is a classic example of how misunderstanding and rumors can destroy a friendship in 1996 the congress party under the leadership of mr pv narsimha rao lost the general elections and no party received a clear mandate even before the elections the fall of mr rao's government was evident muslims who have been major supporters of the congress distanced themselves from congress in the election after the defeat of congress P.V. Narsimha Rao resigned as the president of AICC. Mr. Sitaram Kesri, a veteran Congress leader, succeeded him as the AICC president. That year, in 1996, no party got a clear mandate. The largest party was the Congress, which refused to form the government. The next largest party, the BJP, was called to form the government. Mr. Atal Bihari Vajpayee was sworn in as prime minister and asked to prove majority in the house. He could not prove his majority and his government fell within 11 days. UDA, the United Democratic Alliance formed the government with the support of Congress under the leadership of Mr. Deve Gowda, who was then the chief minister of Karnataka. CM Ibrahim was a close confidant of Mr. Deve Gowda. He became the cabinet minister for information and broadcasting. Although Ibrahim and I knew each other from a long time, somehow we were never close. An interesting point to mention here is that just 3 years earlier in 1994, and there was a contest between me and CM Ibrahim for the Rajya Sabha nomination and ultimately I succeeded. In protest, he left the Congress party and joined Janata Party, became its state president and then became a Rajya Sabha member from Janata Party and ultimately a cabinet minister. Destiny had arranged that he should be a cabinet minister. His aspiration for the Rajya Sabha had failed when he was in Congress but if at that time he had been nominated instead of me he might not have become a union minister this episode strengthened my belief that whatever a man desires he will get it only if and when god has destined it for him right from the beginning the united democratic alliance government was shaky and was totally dependent on congress support The alliance was made only to prevent the BJP from forming the government. Within nine months, due to differences between uh, Sitaram Kesri and Mr. Deve Gowda, on rumors that uh, Mr. Deve Gowda, on the advice of CM Ibrahim, tried to split the Congress. Congress President Sitaram Kesri withdrew support to the government, and Deve Gowda's government failed and fell. Later on, Inder Kumar Gujral, Mr. I K Gujral, formed the alliance government. This government too remained in power for only a short time. and fell which led to lok sabha elections in 1997 my maiden speech in parliament butterflies in my stomach i stepped into parliament when our country and the muslim community had witnessed a great agitation the demolition of babri masjid in 1992 had left bitter experiences even after 2 years in 1994 when i took my baby steps into the respected portals of the indian parliament the ghost of the babri masjid demolition was haunting the country Many Indians including a great many Indian Muslims 
had lost faith in Congress and blamed P.V. Narasimha Rao, who was the Prime Minister then, for the Babri demolition and the chaos that followed across the country. My very first year as an MP in 1994 showed me the reality of what it meant to be in the new role that I had assumed. I found myself in a vast deep ocean called the Parliament and as a new MP, I had to learn to swim through the tides turmoil and turbulence. Backdoor negotiations were going on between Muslim leaders and Prime Minister P.V. Narsimha Rao to find a solution to Babri fiasco. In the beginning, the late Maulana Alimia, the late Maulana Abdul Karim Parekh and Khazi Mujahidul Islam were involved in the negotiations. But Mr. Narsimha Rao's efforts to reach out to the Muslim community through these leaders failed. All this was happening at a time when I entered the parliament. At the same time, under Mr. Nasimara's government, the country embarked on a new economic policy under the dynamic leadership of Dr. Manmohan Singh as India's finance minister. A new slogan became popular in India and that was economic liberalization. But this was also a time when the country witnessed several horrifying stories of the misuse of TADA, TADA, the Terrorist and Disruptive Activities Prevention Act. This act gave powers to the government to keep a person in detention without a trial for years. The TADA was repealed in 1995 as it was a draconian law. My first speech in parliament was in connection with the railway budget. I was 55 years old then. I must confess, I had butterflies racing around my stomach like a boy who had stepped into school for the first time. As I was a newcomer to the parliament, I was allotted a bad bench to sit on. But I was allowed to come up in front and make my maiden speech on the railway budget. The chair and all others present appreciated my speech. As a CA, as a chartered accountant, I spoke on the railway budget and criticized the railway accounting system which was non-transparent. Most of the government accounting was in the single entry system which would not be transparent. In my maiden speech in parliament, I urged that as the Indian Railways was a commercial organization, the accounting system should be changed on the accrual basis and also have accounts for the closing stocks, the iron scraps, amounted to crores of rupees and it was never accounted at all. I am happy that after a lapse of about two decades, the Indian Railways is going through a change in its accounting system. It is gradually shifting to the accrual method of accounting with the help of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of India. I feel distressed that a common man in the country has no idea whatsoever about the functioning of the parliament. Here, I would like to stress that it is very pertinent for every citizen of India to understand the functioning of the parliament and related institutions in the country. Despite its several functional weaknesses, I consider India to be one of the best democratic countries in the whole world. We should be proud that we have a functional democracy. I feel distressed that common people in the country have little idea about the importance and functioning of the parliament. The general impression is that uh, MPs get lots of money, fancy pay and perks, big houses, don't do any work in the parliament or for their constituency. This, however, is not true. The uniqueness of the parliament functioning through the committee system has not been highlighted to the common masses in the country. When Mr. Shivraj Patil was the speaker of Lok Sabha, he introduced the committee system in the Indian parliament. Before this system was introduced, parliamentarians had no platform to critically apprise the various laws that were introduced in the parliament. This system has strengthened the MP's accountability. These committees are called Departmental Standing Committees. Each committee looks after the assigned ministries. 
members of the committee are from both the houses of parliament 20 from lok sabha 10 from rajya sabha in total there are 24 committees out of which eight are looked after by the rajya sabha and 16 by the lok sabha these committees have the power to examine the bureaucracy and also seek explanation from the various department heads about the functioning of the ministries the committees also have the power to seek the views of the general public during my first term in rajya sabha between 1994 to the year 2000 i asked several questions and also participated in various debates on educational and social issues of muslims i raised the problems of indian hajj pilgrims in jeddah and mismanagement by the hajj committee i also brought up the issue of subsidy to hajj pilgrims and and how the subsidy was used to subsidize the air india losses during my first term in the rajya sabha i visited saudi arabia as a member of an indian parliamentary delegation under the leadership of the then speaker of lok sabha mr p s sangma on the invitation of saudi arabia's shura council during our visit we called on the then crown prince abdullah my first time in rajasabha was educative and eventful it helped me build the confidence to expand my horizon in national politics in the beginning of my term as an mp i was nominated to the standing committee on science and technology the opportunity to work in the standing committee gave me an understanding of how great achievements have been made by india in the fields of science and technology i was fortunate to get the chance to visit wonderful scientific institutions it helped me become more aware of the progress that india had made in many scientific fields in west bengal there were hundreds of works in fact the calcutta race course is a works property a large property of the shaw wallis building in choringi is also a works property the work board of west bengal was very weak mutawallis custodians and builders joined together and leased out works properties some were sold clandestinely to builders muslims in calcutta created a hue and cry the government in west bengal set up an inquiry the issue was raised in parliament which then led to the formation of the joint parliamentary committee on waqf In 1997 some of the other members of the congress and I gave a call attention notice in the Rajya Sabha regarding the large scale scams involving waqf properties in West Bengal during the debate we demanded that the matter be referred to a select committee of the Rajya Sabha the then minister for social justice mr ramu alia agreed to refer the matter to the committee from the congress i was nominated to the select committee and from bjp mr sikandar bhakt was nominated sikandar bhakt was nominated as chairman of the committee instead of the select committee of the rajya sabha he wanted there to be a joint parliamentary committee jpc with members from both the houses of parliament the lok sabha speaker agreed to the suggestions and nominated 20 members to the committee the committee took the shape of a jpc on waqfs my knowledge of waqfs and my experience as a member of central waqf council and member of karnataka waqf board greatly helped me in effectively participating in the jpc sikandar bhakt relied on me and nominated me as the chairman of the subcommittee to reexamine the waqf act and to suggest amendments and also examine the status of waqf properties across the northern states of india another important event during my term as the member of the rajya sabha was the passing of the waqf act 1995 the waqf act of 1954 was very weak in order to protect the waqf properties a strong waqf act was needed it took almost 25 years to revamp the waqf act the central waqf council decided to draft a new waqf act 
there were divergent views no unanimity within the muslim community on the various provisions of the new act extensive consultations with the community took place and a bill was introduced in 1995 and was passed in the lok sabha when the bill came to rajya sabha i moved the amendment to it normally members from the treasury benches do not move any amendment to a bill introduced by the government i was ignorant about this and moved the amendment some opposition members also moved certain amendments during the debate on the bill in the rajya sabha mr sitaram kesri was the minister in charge and he asked me to withdraw the proposed amendment i requested the deputy chairman of the rajya sabha mrs najma hiptullah who was presiding officer of the house to give me a few minutes to explain my proposed amendments i explained that my proposed amendment related to the constitution of the board in the event that it was suspended within 6 months should be reconstituted in the event that it was superseded within 6 months should be reconstituted the entire house was in agreement with my proposed amendments and uh, mr sitaram kesri accepted it another member of parliament mr ramratan from the bjp had also moved an amendment that the laws of limitation should not be applicable to work properties the deputy chairman asked the minister since they had accepted the amendment from rahman could they please accept the amendment from ram also and said it would be a good combination ram rahim there was a laughter in the house the ministers accepted the amendment the next day the media splashed the headline saying the ram rahim amendment had been accepted this was a great achievement for me as a young member of the house some people did not want me to see me growing and so attempts were made to dislodge me by trying to deny me a second term in the rajya sabha but the then chief minister of karnataka mr sm krishna and mr gulam nabi azad supported me for a second term as an mp it is a convention in the congress that a member who is selected for the rajya sabha will be given two terms and i had completed only one term in normal circumstances i would have been continued my second term in the rajya sabha was from the year 2000 to 2006 when i started this term the congress was then the principal opposition party in the rajya sabha dr manmohan singh was the leader of the house and also the leader of congress party in rajya sabha in the year 2002 mr h hanumantappa who was the deputy leader of the congress party in the rajya sabha got retired and i was nominated in his place it was a great privilege for me to work with dr manmohan singh as his deputy this post gave me an opportunity to be a part of the core group of the congress party in parliament i participated in all the meetings of the congress party with the top leaders of the congress under the congress president mrs sonia gandhi although dr manmohan singh was the leader of the house mr pranab mukherjee used to be very active on the floor of the house he had a very sharp memory I remember that once he even quoted the proceedings of a debate held in the parliament 15 years earlier even mentioning the page number very accurately Mr Mukherjee was a very good orator and backed his debates with facts and figures it was indeed a great pleasure for me to be associated with such exemplary personalities like Dr Singh and Mr Mukherjee I was also lucky to be on both sides of the table in the two terms that I had in the Rajya Sabha. I was on the opposition side for a while and on the other side the ruling side when the Congress party came to power treasury bench side when Congress party was ruling the country the NDA National Democratic Alliance was in power between uh, between 1999 and 2004 Mr LK Adwani was the home minister at this time madrasas school for islamic learning was were under the scrutiny of the government 
the popular impression that had been created was that uh, the terrorists were trained in madrasas and these institutions were the hub of radicalization of muslim youth this myth was exposed when i raised a question in the rajya sabha to the home minister mr advani saying that he should furnish a report on how many madrasas were the dens of terrorism and also if any students from the madrasas had been identified as potential terrorists the reply by the home minister mr advani was that so far the intelligence agencies had not found any madrasa or their students to be involved in any terrorist activities this is a classic example of maligning muslims and targeting them as prime suspects In the year 2002 an NGO working for harmonious relations between India and Pakistan organized a delegation of members of parliament top journalists and intellectuals of the country to visit Pakistan among the important MPs in the delegation were Mr Lalu Prasad Yadav Mr Punaj a BJP MP Mr Salim Iqbal Sherwani ex minister for state for external affairs and myself among the journalists were Mr Rajdeep Sardesai Mr Vinod Sharma of Hindustan Times There were about 25 members in the delegation. The journey to Pakistan via the Wagha border in Punjab was indeed a very memorable visit. I learned a lot about the intricacies of Indo-Pak relations. The very experience of crossing the border which divides the two countries reminded me of a division among brothers of a big family who by raising walls had become strangers to each other. Similar is the case with India and Pakistan. Children of the same mother. when we crossed the wagha border and entered pakistan a big welcome was awaiting us all the delegates including myself were very touched by the warmth and affection we received lahore is a historic city we were very well treated the late ms asma jahangir a noted pakistani human rights activist invited the delegates to her house for dinner a cultural program was arranged in the evening in which a play was performed which is still fresh in my memory even to this day the play depicted the indo-pak conflict and the miseries suffered by people of the both countries during the partition and afterwards it reflected the deep hatred that had enveloped both countries due to the historical blunders of the past and the dubious role of politicians in keeping the conflict alive for their own vested interests the play depicted what might happen if the conflicts between india and pakistan remain unresolved and what disasters might occur if politicians of both the countries use atomic weapons millions would lose their lives if that ever happened this thought provoking play was so touching that it had members of the delegation teary eyed our delegation left for islamabad from lahore we had a meeting with various ngos working for the better relations between india and pakistan We also met the then president of Pakistan General Parvez Musharraf who invited the delegates for tea and spoke to us for more than 1 and 1/2 hours he said he wanted to build good relations with india and end hostilities he reiterated that india is a big country and pakistan compared to it is a small country he said that uh, both the countries were becoming victims of international conspiracies and wasting resources on arms We also met the then Prime Minister of Pakistan Mr Zafarullah Khan Jamali and various other leaders. I was accompanied by my wife Aisha and taking some time out of our busy schedule we visited shops and met several people. Many people we met were very friendly. They genuinely wanted the relations between India and Pakistan to improve. In some of the shops we told them that we were from India. They offered us good discounts. in the delegation with sweet memories and confidence that uh, if india and pakistan work together to build peace both countries could greatly prosper 
my second term in the Rajya Sabha, member of the Public Accounts Committee in the Cabinet Minister's chair. In my second term in the Rajya Sabha, I was fortunate to work as a member of the Public Accounts Committee, one of the oldest committees. It began functioning as early as 1935, CAG of India. The Controller and Auditor General of India, who examines all the expenditure of the Government of India and its uh, subsidiary organizations, is a constitutional head. He assists the Public Accounts Committee, PSC, being a member of this very important committee and being a chartered accountant myself, I really enjoyed working in this committee. I also headed a subcommittee of the Public Accounts Committee related to direct taxes. I also worked in the Standing Committee on External Affairs headed by Sri Atal Bihari Vajpayee. It is my firm view that the committee system of the functioning of the parliament has to be further strengthened to establish the accountability of the executive to the parliament. There is sometimes an attempt by the government of the day to bypass the committees. The procedure laid out in the parliament is that when a new legislation is brought or if an existing legislation is amended, it has to be sent to the respective standing committees for scrutiny. The advantage of this scrutiny is that the proceedings of the standing committee are confidential and the members offer their opinions frankly and do not take party lines in the scrutiny of the legislation. Invariably, in around 90% of the cases, legislation referred to the standing committee has undergone far-reaching changes and the bills introduced by the government have incorporated these changes. I feel that, unfortunately, critics, including the sections of the media, often project a negative view of the parliament and legislatures which they witness during the sessions, but very little truth has been told to the public about the real picture of how hard parliamentarians work and how influential the parliament is. In fact, I would like to stress that the parliamentary committees have played a very important role in bringing about many changes in the functioning of the government, which has benefited the citizens of the country. My personal opinion is that the media and critics, while rattling out negative opinions on the functioning of the parliament, should also inform the public about the positive role of the parliament in nation building. That is the way they can serve democracy, by being positive and presenting a good image of the parliament of India. The NDA government was stable under the leadership of Mr. Atal Bihari Vajpayee. During the period of his governance, he was committed to Raj Dharma. His was a towering personality. He never allowed the Hindutva philosophy to interfere with the constitution of India. He was a true democrat and he never tinkered with the constitution or the constitutional institutions. With full confidence in the strength of his performance, he went in for elections six months ahead of the scheduled date in May 2004. In Karnataka also, Mr. S.M. Krishna, who was the chief minister, decided to go in for assembly elections along with the Lok Sabha elections. Some of us were against it, the state going in for elections along with Lok Sabha, we didn't like it. But the chief minister was determined. Both the calculations of Mr. Atal Bihari Vajpayee and Mr. S.M. Krishna went wrong and both of them lost the elections. At the centre, the Congress emerged as the single largest party in the parliament and was invited to form the government. The Congress formed UPA, the United Progressive Alliance, an alliance of secular parties. Although Mrs. Sonia Gandhi was elected as the leader of the Congress Parliamentary Party, many people were expecting her to be sworn in as the Prime Minister of the country. Surprisingly, shockingly rather, she declined and chose Dr. Manmohan Singh to head the coalition government. 
it was boldest decision of Ms. Sonia Gandhi to decline the prime ministership of the world's largest democracy when it was her right to become the prime minister and she had won it. Whenever a new government is formed, there will be plenty of lobbying for ministerial births. In my entire political career, I never sought or lobbied for any post. I was very poor in lobbying as by nature I am shy, feel hesitant to approach anybody for a personal favour. After Dr. Manmohan Singh was designated as the Prime Minister, I met him to congratulate him as I had worked under him as his deputy in the Rajya Sabha. While congratulating him, I mentioned to him that uh, if an opportunity was given, I would be happy to work under him. Prime Minister Dr. Manmohan Singh mentioned to me that he was trying his best to induct me into the Council of Ministers. Later, I met Mr. Ahmed Patel who knew me well and is my well-wisher. Bearing them, I did not meet anybody for lobbying for a ministerial birth. This was on 20th May, the year 2004. Just two days later, on the 22nd May 2004, I was preparing for my afternoon prayers, Zuhar Ki Namaz. I received a call from the Congress President, Mrs. Sonia Gandhi, informing me that I was being inducted into the Council of Ministers and I should be present by 5pm at the Rashtrapati Bhavan. This call was followed by an official letter from the Cabinet Secretary. I could not believe that things were happening so fast. I was inducted as the Union Minister of State for Chemicals and Fertilizers on 22nd May 2004. After taking the oath as Minister of State for, for Chemicals and Fertilizers, my thoughts went back to the words of my father on his deathbed. He was in hospital in Mysore and suffered a stroke. I rushed to see him. He was in a semi-comatose condition. My elder sister was trying to tell him that I had come from Bangalore. He opened his eyes and saw me. My sister asked him to pray for me. In a feeble voice, he said, God make my son a minister, a big man. This was in 1990. I am relating this incident as parents love their children and bless and pray for them until their last breath. While taking an oath as minister, tears welled up in my eyes as I remembered my father and how happy he would have been if he had seen me as a minister. I consoled myself with the thought that uh, wherever God had kept him, he would be blessing me and would be happy to see me in my new post. Another person who always used to bless me and would say that one day I would become a minister was my mother-in-law. She performed Hajj in 1967 and after returning from there, whenever I used to meet her, she always used to bless me, stating that I would be a minister one day. I would be a minister one day. At that time, I used to laugh it off as I never even dreamed that I would be a politician in the first place. The Ministry of Chemicals and Fertilizers is a vast ministry. It was headed by Mr. Ram Vilas Paswan before me. The ministry was very interesting as it had under its purview all the production and supply of all the chemicals in the country and fertilizers for the agricultural production. Soon after independence, India embarked on a green revolution to increase agricultural production and establish huge fertilizers and chemical factories. Over the years, these fertilizer plants, which were all public sector establishments, went into heavy losses because the fertilizers were provided to the farmers at a subsidized rate. And despite this, they started incurring heavy losses. Some of those plants became sick and had to be shut down. In addition to fertilizers and chemicals, our ministry was looking after the production of pharmaceuticals and regulating the production and pricing of essential and life-saving drugs. 
and it was headed by Mr. Ram Vilas Paswan. In the beginning, I had to burn the midnight oil to understand the working of this ministry. I told the cabinet minister, Mr. Paswan, that I would work on the revival of uh, sick fertilizer units and pharmaceutical units in the public sector. The two major public sector fertilizer units which were actually working were FACT and Madras Fertilizer Company. Both were incurring losses. Whereas the Fertilizer Corporation of India, a joint venture was making profits. I took up a study of these two companies, in addition FACT and Madras Fertilizer Company. I visited their plants, held discussions with officers and stakeholders. I took up the matter with the respective state governments also. But by the time I could work on their revival, I was shifted to the post of uh, Deputy Chairman of the Rajya Sabha. Another area I evinced interest in the ministry was regarding the generic drugs and meeting the health requirements of the common man at a lower rate. Drug manufacturers used to sell generic drugs more or less at the same rate of patented drugs. They would price the drug at the minimum selling price but 30 to 40 times of the actual price. They would sell these generic drugs to the chemists at a lower cost and pass on the huge benefits to the chemists so that they could sell more of the patented drugs. The ministry took up this issue seriously. And I'm happy today that the initiative had started in the year 2004 regarding generic drugs has helped the public in getting medicines at a cheaper rate. Now, separate generic drug stores have been opened across India. My years as Deputy Chairman of the Rajya Sabha. Retaining my God-blessed smile, maintaining calm amidst storms. Before I could pursue these initiatives I had taken as a minister, all of a sudden, the Congress party decided to field me as a candidate for the post of Deputy Chairman of the Rajya Sabha. This post was vacant after the retirement of Dr. Najma Heptullah. I had completed only two months in the Ministry of Chemicals and Fertilizers. I was in two minds when I was sounded about this offer. I met the Congress President and the leader of the Congress party, Mrs. Sonia Gandhi and Mr. Pranab Mukherjee. They informed me that I had emerged as a consensus candidate for the post. I had no choice to reject this offer, so I conveyed my acceptance to the party. I was a bit surprised at this development because just a week earlier, the media had splashed reports that the Congress party was considering to field Mr. Vailar Ravi for this post. I met Dr. Manmohan Singh, the Prime Minister of India at that time and submitted my resignation as the Minister of State for Chemicals and Fertilizers. He asked me whether I was happy to take up my new assignment. I told him I was a soldier of the Congress party and whatever responsibility the party entrusted on me, I would happily discharge it. When the Congress party suggested my name to be the deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha, there was a complete agreement by all parties across India except Shiv Sena. Nearly 13 nominations were filed in my name. One nomination was filed by the Shiv Sena, which was subsequently withdrawn. I was then elected as the deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha on 22nd July 2004. At the time of my election to the post of deputy chairman, the then leader of the opposition, Mr. Jaswan Singh, said, I wish to submit that for the election of deputy chairman, I have been in consultations with my colleagues in the National Democratic Alliance as also others. I do not wish to go into all the reasoning and persuasion that have prompted our valuable colleagues to take up the step that we had. Nevertheless, it is our collective and considered view that when a new beginning in the parliament of the house or in the stewardship of the house is to be made, then it would be advisable, preferable indeed, that the new beginning is unopposed. Accordingly, I had requested my colleagues, particularly the Shiv Sena and the candidate who wanted to contest for many reasons, to withdraw. I had also then requested the Honourable Minister of Parliamentary Affairs 
to share our request and he had very kindly and graciously consented to be with us in a meeting and upon our joint request we had decided that the election of deputy chairman on rajya sabha be unopposed and i accordingly request the house to elect shri rehman khan as deputy chairman of rajya sabha unopposed i was elected unanimously on the proposal of the leader of the opposition and while felicitating me and after conducting me to the chair of the deputy chairman the prime minister who is the leader of rajya sabha addressed the chairman mr bhairon singh shekhawat and said mr chairman sir i am truly happy to felicitate shri rehman khan on his election as the deputy chairman of this august house it is a singular honor for anyone to be occupying this chair in this august house that has often been called the house of elders of the upper house of the parliament i am personally very happy that we have today chosen to confer this honor of the deputy chairman on a man who symbolizes the best traditions of this house sir shri rahman khan is a professional and has dedicated his life to the cause of education his commitment to education is symbolized by the range of associations he has had with all the educational institutions in karnataka i attach great importance to the role of education in the advancement of our country recently i had the opportunity of addressing a convention of minorities education and welfare where it was recognized by all that the welfare of all sections of our society including that of minorities is closely linked to their education empowerment as the nobel laureate Dr Amartya Sen has repeatedly emphasized education builds capabilities and empowers our people sir as a member of Rajya Sabha Shri K Rahman Khan has been actively associated with the cause of education his professional capabilities were of particular use to various committees of this house in which he was a very active member sir Shri Rahman Khan is fortunate to have your guided hand and sane advice they'll be readily available when he needs them Sir as a chairman you have been steering the proceedings of this house with great wisdom patience and equanimity Sir I am sure sir you will feel further reassured that uh, you now have the able assistance of Shri K Rahman Khan the people of our country Mr Chairman look to us with expectations and hope and want us to focus our attention on their real concerns this house mr chairman can take a lead in setting standards for legislative deliberations and decision making and guide our democracy forward the manner in which we conduct ourselves in this house sir should be viewed as a source of inspiration to legislative bodies at all levels from the parliament down to every panchayat in our country sir we are now assured that the experience and able talent of uh, shri rahman khan is now available to this house sir i wish shri khan a rewarding and glorious tenure in this high office and i welcome and greet him on my own behalf and on behalf of the united progressive alliance i offer him our fullest cooperation in the conduct of his onerous responsibilities in the house while felicitating me mr jaswant singh as leader of opposition addressed the chairman of the rajya sabha said mr chairman sir it is a sense of pleasure and satisfaction that i greet our dear colleague who up till a few minutes back was sitting across the well of the house i greet him sir because not only does he sit on this side of the house now but also because he sits as my companion in the same seat we share the same seat but i know that in the discharge of the functions of the deputy chairman honorable k rahman khan would discharge them with impeccable objectivity keeping in mind the traditions of this house as also all the requirements for the proper conduct and smooth functioning of the house of course this is a chamber where the government business always gets priority that is an accepted norm parliament is for legislation that also is an accepted norm 
Parliament is also the only forum where we can express our voice on the issues of the day. And I have no doubt in mind that the Deputy Chairman, along with you, sir, in the chair, will maintain a very proper balance between these two requirements. I wish to take this opportunity to offer to the Deputy Chairman on behalf of the opposition and on my own personal behalf unstinted cooperation and we look forward to his occupying the chair as deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha. With all my good wishes, we welcome him in the chair as the deputy chairman and I welcome him also as my companion sitting next to me. Mr. Bhairon Singh Shekhawat, as the chairman of the Rajya Sabha in his felicitation said, I joined the leader of the opposition and the leader of the house in felicitating Sri Rahman Khan on his election to the office of the deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha. Sri Khan is an experienced parliamentarian. As a member of this house, Sri Khan has contributed immensely, not only in the deliberations of various committees that he served, at different intervals of time, but also to the proceedings of the House, he is very well versed with the nuances of parliamentary procedure. A presiding officer is required to possess a tremendous amount of patience as he is often to deal with sensitive situations which whether we like it or not do sometimes emerge in the house. Shri Khan has that quality in abundant measure. I hardly recollect any instance during last two years that I have been here when Shri Khan lost his school even when the house was in turmoil. This equanimity of mind, I am sure, will help Shri Khan in carrying all sections of the house with him. On his entering upon the office of Deputy Chairman of Rajya Sabha, I congratulate Shri Khan and wish him all the success. On the day of felicitation, as Deputy Chairman of the Rajya Sabha, I spoke addressing the Chairman and other members. Sir, I am grateful to the House for electing me as a Deputy Chairman of Rajya Sabha. I accept this responsibility with all humility at my command and assure you that I will do my best to come up to the expectation of all the honourable members in the House in discharging my responsibility as the Deputy Presiding Officer of this August House. Sir, I am grateful to you for the kind words that you have spoken about me. It is my good fortune to work under your guidance. I will be benefited by your long and rich parliamentary experience. I am grateful to the leader of the house, honorable prime minister and all other leaders of my party and other political parties who have extended their support and have nominated me as a candidate for the post of deputy chairman of Rajya Sabha. The honorable prime minister Dr. Manmohan Singh, the leader of the opposition and you sir. For the kind words spoken about me, I assure all of you that I will live up to the trust to the trust reposed in me. Dil se jo baat nikalti hai, asar rakhti hai, par nahi taakate parwaaz, magar rakhti hai. दिल से जो बात निकलती है असर रखती है पर नहीं ताकते परवाज मगर रखती है सर आई एम अवेयर ऑफ द फैक्ट दैट द प्रोसाइडिंग ऑफिसर इज एन अम्पायर ही शुड एनफोर्स रूल्स एंड प्रोसीजर्स ऑफ द हाउस विद फर्मनेस एंड विद ह्यूमन फेस विदाउट बीइंग कैरीड अवे बाय इमोशंस अ प्रोसाइडिंग ऑफिसर हैज टू अंडरस्टैंड द पैशंस इमोशंस एंड एटीट्यूड्स ऑफ द मेंबर्स and it is here where my early experience as a presiding officer of the legislative council of karnataka will help me in discharging my duties properly the presiding officer's task is to ensure that the rules of the house for conducting its business are followed and that all the members of the house have an equal opportunity to take part in the debates balancing the rights of the majority to conduct the business with the rights of minority is one of the most difficult tasks of a presiding officer but with the support of honorable members such difficulties can be easily overcome i seek the confidence trust and cooperation of all the honorable members of the house and hope that we set a new trend to utilize the precious time of the house for purposeful debates hamare mulk mein rasmo wafa ke charche hain hamare mulk mein rasmo wafa ke charche hain दिलों में अब भी खुलूस और प्यार 
बाकी है अन ऑनर टू सर्व द कंट्री फ्रॉम अ हम्बल हेमलेट टू द कॉरिडोर्स ऑफ राज्यसभा एज द डेप्यूटी चेयरमैन ऑफ द राज्यसभा आई फील्ट वेरी हैप्पी एंड ऑनर टू सर्व माई कंट्री इट टुक सम टाइम फॉर मी टू सिंक इन दैट कमिंग फ्रॉम अ लिटल नोन टाउन इन कर्नाटका के आर पेट हैविंग स्टडीड इन उर्दू मीडियम स्कूल इन अ वेलेज विथ लिटल एक्सपोजर टू इंग्लिश आई वॉज एबल टू रीच दिस लेवल ऑफ अ पोजिशन आई फेल्ट रियली हम्बल्ड द पोस्ट ऑफ डेप्यूटी चेयरमैन ऑफ द राज्यसभा इज वेरी डिफरेंट फ्रॉम दैट ऑफ डेप्यूटी स्पीकर और डेप्यूटी चेयरमैन इन लोकसभा बिकॉज द चेयरमैन ऑफ द राज्यसभा इज ऑल्सो द वाइस प्रेसिडेंट ऑफ इंडिया कस्टमरली the chairman usually conducts the questionnaire and the rest of the proceedings of the house the rajya sabha are conducted by the deputy chairman i was very anxious initially about whether i would be able to discharge this big responsibility of conducting the proceedings of one of the houses of the indian parliament which is the temple of the largest democracy in the world when i was the chairman of karnataka legislative council i had similar worries and fears yet god helped me surmount all situations i knew God would help me handle my responsibilities as a deputy chairman to the best of my abilities. When I had completed chairmanship of the Legislative Council in Karnataka, I remember a member coming up to me and telling me that my tenure in the council was a golden period. All this increased me and melted my doubts and fears. Soon, I understood the formalities of being the deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha. I learned many valuable things during my tenure in this post. I imbibed many qualities and one of them was patience patience parliaments and assemblies have become very acrimonious some members lose their tempers during the debates and use unparliamentary language and accuse each other to control such situations the presiding officer should have tremendous patience he or she cannot afford to lose his or her temper another important quality one has to possess is time management skill Sometimes members do not adhere adhere to the allotted time and keep screaming and shouting for most of the time to put up their points. I had to manage the time very carefully without ruffling anybody's ego. One of the most important things I learned in my new job was maintaining presence of mind. Sometimes the behavior of uh, some members can be very provocative. They do not follow the rules of the house and this might provoke the presiding officer to lose temper. According to me, wisdom lies in being conscious of one's own behavior and speech. I used to deal with difficult situations that came up in parliament with a smiling face. This earned me a lot of love and affection of the members because of my impartial conduct of the business of the house providing opportunity to all members irrespective of their political affiliation to speak and express their views. I earned their goodwill and affection. Mr. Oscar Fernandez who was also the member of the Rajya Sabha once asked me how I maintain my cool as a deputy chairman despite so much chaos and many difficult situations. I told him that in my family I was known for my short temper and blowing up over minor things. When I was elected as chairman of the Legislative Council in Karnataka, my father was very worried as to how I would manage the council with that kind of a temper. My father's concern about my temper was always on my mind. and so i worked on changing myself to be a calmer person whenever situations arose in the legislative council that could trigger my temper i remembered my father's anguish about me and i used to calm down slowly slowly i was able to handle the situation without losing my cool and this helped me mellow down and get over my temper tantrums and that is how when i was the deputy chairman of the rajya sabha i used to be very calm and cool with the members The speaker of the Lok Sabha Mr Somna Chatterjee was a political legend and an outstanding parliamentarian he was a fatherly figure i used to get advice from him 
one of the best compliments i received from him goes like this shri rahman khan's parliamentary career which began in karnataka for over 30 years during which he held important positions has established him as a committed parliamentarian always upholding the best traditions of the house of which he has been an important member as one of the presiding officers of the rajya sabha he has always discharged his duties in an exemplary manner earning respect and admiration of all his handling of what one may describe as the volatile situations in the house has enhanced his reputation as an ideal presiding officer in the year 2006 i was elected for the second time as the deputy chairman of the rajya sabha dr manmohan singh the then prime minister appreciated my approach and said it was because of this attitude that the bulldozer type approach was absent in rajya sabha as a deputy chairman of the rajya sabha i was also the vice president of the indian parliamentary forum an interparliamentarians union ipu is an international body consisting of all the parliaments of the world which discusses issues to strengthen democratic values human rights and the independence of parliamentarians every year IPU the interparliamentarian union holds two conferences one in geneva its headquarters and the other in any one member country as the deputy chairman of rajya sabha i had the privilege to attend ipu conferences and seminars at geneva switzerland and in other parts of the world regularly during my tenure these conferences helped me develop wider contacts with world parliamentarians i had the privilege of leading the parliament delegation of members of the rajya sabha in india to the european union parliament along with phalias nariman a great jurist like the ipu the commonwealth countries have formed the commonwealth parliament association cpa with all the commonwealth countries as members they also conduct annual meetings in different commonwealth countries i represented india along with the speaker of the lok sabha in several cpa conferences in the year 2010 i had the privilege of attending 66th general assembly sessions of the united nations and also addressed the un general assembly as one of the members of the parliament representing the indian delegation a big initiative of the rajya sabha during my tenure was the establishment of uh, Rajya Sabha TV RSTV the Lok Sabha took the initiative to start a TV channel exclusively for both the houses of the parliament called Sansad TV there was a delay in giving concurrence to this by the Rajya Sabha to Lok Sabha so the Lok Sabha went ahead and established Lok Sabha TV but it was supposed to be called a Sansad TV combining both the houses only Lok Sabha went ahead and started i felt it was quite awkward that uh, proceedings of only Lok Sabha were televised to public I felt it was quite awkward before the Lok Sabha TV was launched the proceedings of both the houses were relayed live through Doordarshan many members expressed the desire that the Rajya Sabha too should have a TV channel the then chairman of the Rajya Sabha Mr Bhairav Singh Shekhawat called a meeting of the general purposes committee of the Rajya Sabha and placed the proposal of starting a Rajya Sabha TV channel many senior members of the committee were not in favor of a rajya sabha tv channel and the proposal was shelved again when the new chairman of the rajya sabha mr mohammad hamid ansari assumed office i discussed with him the rajya sabha channel and why the proposal was shelved he agreed to call the general purposes committee meeting again by then new members had come into the committee after the successful launch of lok sabha tv the members of parliament were in favor of starting a rajya sabha channel 2 the general purpose committee approved the proposal a committee was formed under my chairmanship to work out the modalities of setting up a rajya sabha tv channel 
the committee had extensive discussions with the Lok Sabha TV and reviewed a proposal of combining the TV channel of both the Rajya Sabha and the Lok Sabha. But this proposal, but this proposal received a lukewarm response from the Lok Sabha TV. They were not too enthusiastic about uh, associating with the Rajya Sabha to run the channel. Then we decided to have our own channel and appointed Mr. Gurdeep Singh Sapal, who was the OSD, Officer on Special Duty, to the Chairman of Rajya Sabha to coordinate the setting up of the Rajya Sabha TV in the beginning. Mr. Sapal had sufficient experience with uh, television channels, the space for setting up the Rajya Sabha TV channel was a major major problem as the space available in the parliament library was occupied by the Lok Sabha TV. Lok Sabha TV had three studios. Earlier it was agreed that they would hand over one studio to the Rajya Sabha but this did not work out. The Rajya Sabha obtained a new bungalow from the CPWD on GRG road. Rajya Sabha TV began operating from there. The committee of the Rajya Sabha set up to start the Rajya Sabha TV, which I was heading, consisted of prominent members who were experienced in different fields. One of them was Mr. Sham Benegal, an outstanding producer and director of landmark films. The committee prepared a roadmap for the channel. After a soft launch, regular telecasts started successfully. Technical staff was recruited and Mr. Gurdeep Singh Sapal became the chief executive officer of the Rajya Sabha TV. It was my desire that every citizen of India should know about the process of framing a constitution. Mr. Sham Benegal agreed to produce and direct a film on the making of the constitution. The Rajya Sabha TV entrusted this assignment to Mr. Benegal, who directed a brilliant documentary on the subject in 10 episodes. And the Rajya Sabha TV telecasted all the 10 episodes. Today, Rajya Sabha TV is a very popular TV channel. In addition to broadcasting the Rajya Sabha TV proceedings, it does broadcast informative programs on science and technology, the environment and various educative topics. Despite my busy schedule as a deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha, I used to take time also to focus on issues related to the Muslims of India. Some Muslim members of parliament or state legislators who held elective posts are hesitant to take up any responsibility for the society of which they are a part. All the sections of the society must participate in the governance of the country. This is why I considered it my responsibility to share the problems of the Muslim community in India and to address them too. I used to meet uh, Muslim religious and political leaders and intellectuals from across the country and discuss the socio-economic and educational issues. I often held meetings with all the minorities in the country, discussed with them their problems and took them up with the government. In this period, terrorism was at its peak. The Muslim community agitated as many Muslim youth were being indiscriminately arrested. Prime Minister Dr. Manmohan Singh wanted to separately address the Muslim religious leaders to clarify the apprehensions of the Muslim community. It was the Prime Minister's desire that Muslims should concentrate on their education and economic development instead of focusing on non-issues. He asked me to call a meeting of Muslim religious leaders and to discuss with them the basic issues of educational and economic backwardness. 
a meeting of Muslim religious leaders from all over the country was organized in the year 2008 with the support of Maulana Mahmood Madani, General Secretary of Jamiatul Ulama-e Hind, and Mr. Kamal Farooqi for an interactive session with the Prime Minister, the Home Minister, the Human Resource Development Minister, and a group of top journalists of the country. This meeting was held in the Parliament Annexe. Four interactive sessions were held. There were no speeches. Only issues were discussed. The Prime Minister stressed that the government would safeguard the constitutional and religious freedom of all sections of the society. He appealed to the Muslim religious leaders to concentrate on the educational upliftment of the community, particularly women. During my tenure as Deputy Chairman, I held several meetings and took several delegations to the Prime Minister other ministers and also the planning commission to apprise them of issues related to the socio-economic and educational conditions of the Muslims of India. I suggested to them that the issues of Muslims should be addressed as uh, socio-economic issues and their religious identity should not become a source of prejudice for the government. I have always opposed the mindset of those political leaders in power who treat the problems of Muslims like reservation, employment and education as demands based on their religion. And this biased approach has resulted in the denial of constitutional rights to the Muslims under Article 14, 15 and 16 of the Indian Constitution. I also hold Muslim religious leaders responsible for this biased approach as they emphasize too much on their religious identity when i was elected as the deputy chairman of the rajya sabha there was a murmuring chairman dr bhairon singh shekhawat from the bjp might clash as we both had different political ideologies but things proved to be different mr bhairon singh shekhawat was a veteran leader and was three times the chief minister of rajasthan i worked with him for three years and our relations were excellent In my 3 full years of associating with him there was not a single occasion when we had any differences between us I found him to be more secular than many so called secular leaders in different political parties he was also a very good human being when he resigned to contest to the post of the president of india i assumed the office of the chairman of rajya sabha as acting chairman for one and a half months till the new vice president got elected When the new president Mrs Pratibha Patel was to take the oath I was the acting chairman of the Rajya Sabha and represented Rajya Sabha in the entourage of the oath taking ceremony of the new president of India Mr Muhammad Hamid Ansari a career diplomat and a reputed bureaucrat was elected as the chairman of the Rajya Sabha and vice president of India in August 2007 it was a rare coincidence in the history of rajya sabha that both chairman and deputy chairman were muslims probably it was the first time and probably the only time ever that never happened before and very less likely to ever happen again visiting tsunami affected areas as deputy chairman of the rajya sabha i was also happy to take up the responsibility of chairman of the mp area development fund of the rajya sabha in 2004 on december 26 A massive massive earthquake and tsunami occurred in the Indian Ocean. This brought destruction of an unexplainable magnitude along the coastal Tamil Nadu and Pondicherry. Several thousand people lost their lives along with complete destruction of their properties and belongings. After this tsunami, 
massive rescue and rehabilitation efforts began with many programs initiated by the UPA government. Handling this natural disaster was a big challenge for the government. Many voluntary agencies from India and abroad arrived to contribute their efforts to help the victims. Members of parliament donated from their MPs' funds for this rescue and rehabilitation efforts. The contributions came very generously. As chairman of the MPs' fund, I visited various tsunami-affected areas in Pondicherry, Tamil Nadu and the Andaman Islands, meeting victims. With the help of local officials in disaster-affected areas, I assessed the damage, spoke to the victims and the families and on priority basis initiated projects for rebuilding broken schools, houses and allotted funds from the MPs' fund for the state governments. This was a time for a very important learning lesson for me. On the one hand, I felt grateful to the Almighty that He had blessed me with resources to help the victims. On the other hand, I reflected on the nature's way of reminding humanity that if they commit follies, treat the environment rashly and go against the laws of nature, one day all this is bound to backfire on them. Seeing despair and distress at such close quarters, I felt grounded. It reminded me that it was important to become more God-conscious and seek God's help. When I visited tsunami-affected areas, I was overwhelmed by the kindness and the help being rendered by different people belonging not just to various faiths but even different nations. Towards the victims and the families, humanity came alive from different corners of earth, religion, caste, gender, community. All just faded into oblivion as clothes, funds, food and water came pouring in from different people and sources. When the disaster struck, it united the country and all came forward as a humanitarian and moral duty to help their fellow brothers and sisters in trouble. Visiting the areas and uh, observing the misery rekindled my desire to always be helpful and not just sit in the comfort zone of an air-conditioned room and discuss the matter on presentations. I learned many lessons on life after I personally visited tsunami-affected areas and listened to the woes of the people. It also helped me realize that out of the blue, God sends a big jolt to wake us up from the slumber of apathy and lethargy to make us do humanitarian acts. An important and interesting experience that I would like to share when I was the deputy chairman of the Rajya Sabha was my travel to Libya. I felt very honored, indeed, I felt very honored that uh, I represented the Indian government during the celebrations in September 2009, marking the 40th anniversary, marking the 40th anniversary of the Libyan President Muammar Gaddafi coming to power. The festivities were being attended by Venezuela's President Hugo Chavez along with African leaders including Zimbabwe's President Robert Mugabe and Sudan's President Omar Hassan al-Bashar. The African leaders gathered in Tripoli for one-day African Union summit that was uh, set to coincide with the celebrations. President Muammar Gaddafi to celebrate the day, a three-hour showcase event was held in Tripoli. The celebrations included military bands, 400 dancers depicting scenes from Libya's history, acrobatic flights and firework displays. 
I was very happy to meet uh, Colonel Gaddafi. I was very amazed that uh, the Libyan leader did not have any prime minister or president to boss over him. He was all in all and I found this so hilarious. The entire administration of Libya was run on the constitution created by Colonel Gaddafi. It was called Green Book and he expected all the citizens of Libya to fully understand it and follow it. The Indian ambassador to Libya hosted a dinner in my honor and uh, invited the Indian community in Libya. I was very surprised to learn that many Indians had set up their businesses in Libya for more than 40 years. I was very happy to meet and have friendly dialogues with several leaders from various countries who were represented by their respective presidents and prime ministers for the celebration. I also represented the Indian government at the funeral of Khan Abdul Wali Khan Sahib son of Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan Sahib is he the same guy who was with Mahatma Gandhi and uh, he was called the frontier gandhi tall and strong man many called him muslim version of gandhi an afghan fellow is he the same guy yes and the person who passed away is he the son of the great guy yes during my tenure as deputy chairman of the rajya sabha for this i traveled to peshawar in pakistan India had uh, very friendly relations with the the family of Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan Sahib when his son Khan Abdul Wali Khan Sahib passed away the government of India designated me to represent India at his funeral due to a delay in the visa process i could not reach peshawar on time for the funeral prayers namaz janaza by the time i reached peshawar khan abdul wali khan sahib's body was shifted to his ancestral village in usman zai charsada I called on the family and offered condolences on behalf of the Indian citizens. What surprised me was that uh, the Khudai Khidmatkar, the voluntary group created by Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan Sahib is still very active in Peshawar. It was created during the freedom struggle. Oh, that was created during freedom struggle. Still active. Nice. When I landed in Peshawar, all facilities were provided to me and the local state minister accompanied me when I was taken to the ancestral village from Peshawar. But yet, the dedication of Khudai Khidmatgars was so sincere that members from the group also came with me to the ancestral village and saw to it that I was comfortable and taken care of very well. The ancestral home of Khan Abdul Ghaffar Khan Sahib where Khan Wali Khan Sahib and his family lived was full of portraits of congress leaders located in pakistan the ancestral home of khan abdul ghaffar khan sahib where khan abdul wali khan sahib and his family lived was full of portraits of indian freedom fighters congress leaders they were not only muslim leaders they were the photos and portraits of uh, leaders from every faith culture caste tribe who were fighting against the british mind you this was in pakistan seeing the portraits of indian national leaders in pakistan this amazed me what was a lot more amazing was there was no portrait of any pakistani leader a remote village inside pakistan had a house full of portraits of indian national leaders from congress not one leader from their own country during this journey to this village i was also accompanied by the indian ambassador to pakistan mr menon During my deputy chairmanship of the Rajya Sabha I also represented the Indian Parliament at the funeral of the last king of Afghanistan Zaheer Shah he was given a state funeral which several heads of countries attended 
apart from me the indian delegation included mr saifuddin the then minister for water resources in kabul i visited a hospital for children which was rebuilt with help from indian government and also new parliament house constructed again with help from india heading parliamentary committees presiding over landmark legislations as the deputy chairman of the rajya sabha i headed several parliamentary committees and functioned as the co-chairman on several forums of the parliament i served as the chairman of rajya sabha privileges committee chairman of the rajya sabha computerization committee chairman of the members of the parliament local area development schemes executive committee member of the commonwealth parliament association member of the general purposes committee of the rajya sabha member of committee on rules of the rajya sabha vice chairman of the parliamentary forum for water conservation and management parliamentary forum on children parliamentary forum on youth and the parliamentary forum on population and public health i was elected as the honorary internal auditor of the interparliamentary union at the 115th assembly held at geneva in may 2008 and also as the chairman of the joint parliamentary committee on works during my 8 years of tenure as deputy chairman of the rajya sabha i presided over passing of landmark legislations like the women's reservation bill the right to education bill and the lokpal bill during the period when i was the deputy chairman of the rajya sabha a major event took place and that was the impeachment of a former judge of calcutta high court somitra sen he was the first judge in independent india whose removal motion was passed in the rajya sabha for misappropriation of funds some posts which are important like that of the president or vice president of the country judges of the high courts and the supreme court and the controller and auditor general of india are constitutional posts and people who serve these posts cannot be removed from the office unless they are impeached by the parliament another major event that took place during my term was the second share market scam in april 2001 a joint parliamentary committee jpc was set up headed by a senior bjp member lieutenant general prakash mani tripathi to look into the scam i had the privilege to be a member of this committee the man behind the scam was ketan parekh who artificially rigged prices of certain chosen securities informally referred to as ketan stocks using large sums of money borrowed from banks including the madhavpura mercantile cooperative bank of which he himself was a director as a result he was barred from trading in the indian stock market exchange till 2017 the jpc submitted its report on december 19 2002 after conducting 105 sittings and examining the shareholders it recommended sweeping changes in the stock market regulations while working in this jpc i was greatly benefited as i learned how our regulators work and how certain individuals can misuse the system during my working with the jpc important functionaries appeared before the jpc like the governor of rbi finance secretaries former senior finance secretaries and officials of securities and exchange board of india sebi we also had to travel across the country as a jpc team the jpc issued its report and the government implemented the report's recommendations and brought many changes though some of the recommendations were diluted by the government of that time which was headed by mr atal bihari vajpayee i completed my third term in rajya sabha on 2nd april 2012 i was renominated to rajya sabha for the fourth term 
normally it is very rare for a member of parliament to be given more than two terms by a political party i must acknowledge the trust and confidence my party had in me i was given four terms since the inception of rajya sabha i am one of those blessed 40 or 45 rajya sabha members since the inception of the rajya sabha who served as an mp for four consecutive terms while i was a deputy chairman of the rajya sabha both the congress president mrs sonia gandhi and the prime minister dr manmohan singh were of the opinion that i should be taken into the cabinet in charge of minority affairs while i was deputy chairman of the rajya sabha both the congress president mrs sonia gandhi and the prime minister dr manmohan singh were of the opinion that i should be taken into the cabinet in charge of minority affairs a cabinet reshuffle later took place in october 2012 and i was inducted as a cabinet minister on my last working day as deputy chairman of the rajya sabha in my farewell address with all my heart i thanked all the members for the cooperation they had extended during my term Rajya Sabha TV produced a 20-minute documentary highlighting my achievements. The same channel that uh, he pioneered. Yes, 